Samuel chapter 12. If you're there, say amen. Very excited about this word this morning. Uh, Before I read the text, I want to tell you that the only time I've ever ministered on this subject was to about 15 preacher's kids, ranging from 7 years old to 16 years old. And the Lord just quickened this story to me, and it was like one of those where it's, now's the time. He knew who would be here on a small crowd on Labor Day. He knew who would be visiting, and I believe I have a word from the Lord for this house, and it's not so much a sermon, but it's just, it's just really a declarative statement. And I just pray your heart's open to receive this morning. 2 Samuel 12, 24 and 25. Then after the loss of their child, David comforted his wife Bathsheba. And he went to bed with her and she later gave birth to a son. David named him Solomon. But the Lord loved the child and sent a message through the prophet Nathan to name the baby Jedidiah, which means the Lord's beloved. David and Bathsheba at the, well, David seduced Bathsheba is what he did. The king of Israel brought her into the king's palace, seduced her. She became pregnant. David found out that she was pregnant and he maneuvered Bathsheba's husband Uriah to be in the front of the army so that he would be killed to cover up his sin. He would take Bathsheba as his wife and... It would be close enough in time to where they would think the child was David's. And God called him out through Nathan the prophet and asked, what would you do with a man that had all of these lambs and would take one lamb from one person and uh, take the only lamb he had? And David said, he would be put to death. And Nathan said, well, you're the guy. And David repented from his heart. He repented and said, against you and you only have I sinned. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David had already taken Bathsheba as his wife. The sin was out and the child was sick when he was born. And David prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and the child died. David washed his face, went back out into the new day. And he said, there was nothing I could do anymore. The Lord has passed his sentence. The Lord judged she and I for our transgression. And obviously Bathsheba was greatly grieved she felt partly responsible for the death of her husband even though she of course did not do it she committed the act of adultery which helped David uh, fill his heart with these evil designs and not only did she lose her husband by her sin she lost the baby that she had conceived so David went in and comforted his wife and in a night of sorrow passion They conceived another baby. David said, we're going to call him Solomon. But the Lord spoke to Nathan and said, that's not what I call him. He is called Jedidiah, which means the Lord has loved him. The Lord has loved him. Have you ever thought about what it must be like to live in the shadow of someone as great as King David. We all live with shadows. Now, I'm not speaking this morning about the shadows of darkness 
our evil deeds, our hidden sin. But I'm talking about the shadow of people that have gone before us. Someone who is bigger than life that cast a shadow into your life. An uninvited shadow. An unmistakable shadow. Great people leave great expectations on those that come behind them. Maybe you have a shadow in your life from a parent or a sibling. And by the time the sun hits their life, the shadow is so long into your life that people have expectations of what you should do, who you should be, how far you're supposed to go, and what you should accomplish. Greatness brings expectations of greatness. Ministry brings expectation of ministry. Failure brings expectations of failure. And tragedy, expectations of tragedy. Someone else's shadow is something that arrives before you do in a room and leaves before you go. Having people cast shadows in your life can be a very good thing. My father cast an earthly shadow that was a place of refuge for me in my formidable years. It was a place of safety, a place of shade from the heat. But there's a difference between being benefited by someone else's shadow and being identified by it. There is a difference between being benefited by someone's shadow and being identified by it. You have shadows in your life. They're either good or they're bad. And everyone has both. Shadows that we can't get away from because our parents or our siblings or people close to us were larger than life. And other shadows linger and are long and they're more cruel than death. This morning I want to give you just... A little bit heavy on the introduction, but then just four quick points about the message. And I just want you to leave with the word today, okay? There, there's several characteristics of shadows that I've learned in my own experience and in being a pastor these almost 20 years. There's family shadows, generational, parents, siblings, a large family. You can be lost in the shuffle and the shadow of the family is so big that you get grouped into it and you don't even have a name. You just... You know, and them. You know, that's, that's Freddie and them. Just the family's so big, you just get grouped in with them. There's intimidating shadows. Some of us have fathers and mothers who were brilliant. Summa cum laude. Magna cum laude. And we're like, thank you, laude. Just glad to make it to class. Self-made men with no education and now he owns a company and CEO of a large company. Shadows cannot just be family, but they can be very intimidating because how can you measure up with great success, great acclaim, great heights, great notoriety? If you're not careful, you can cancel your future based upon their past. And don't forget, shadows are temporary. They're, they're just a shadow. If, if, if you were to see these lights and they hit me and the shadow that comes behind, the shadow is not me. 
It just gives you a form of me. If I hold my hand up, you'll see five fingers there on the floor. They're not the fingers. These are the fingers. And that life ahead of you, that parent, that sibling, that mentor, that friend that's larger than you, it's not you. You may benefit by it or you may have been crushed by it, but it's not you. You're bigger than that. There's more to you than that. It can be an unwelcome shadow. I was born a preacher's kid. You know, everybody say, you know what they say about preacher's kid? Well, y'all made us crazy. And my generation, we had people come into our house before church on Sunday mornings, knocking on the doors. And do you got the vacuum? Do you got the church vacuum? We can't find the vacuum. And as a little kid, I'm like, what are these crazy people doing in our house? People watch you. Shh, look at you and you a preacher's kid. I didn't, wasn't sure I wanted to be a preacher's kid. Have you ever had a shadow unwelcome in your life? Your parents had a 4-0, a 4-0, a 4-0, and you're praying for a 2-0. And they, you can hear them in the room. I just can hardly believe they're even ours. Thank you very much for that. Really appreciate it. Uninvited, unwelcome shadows. Burdensome shadow. Unrealistic expectations placed on you by you or yourself. Siblings, where one is very popular and the other is not. One's very articulate, the other is not. One's very coordinated and the other is not. A shadow of someone's life can be very burdensome to you, especially when you compare their strengths to your weaknesses. It can be lonely because, depending upon the type of shadow, very few people understand. They're troubling shadows because sometimes the shadow that a parent cast or a family member cast, everyone can view them one way, but we know the real deal behind the scenes. And it's troubling to us because we know that if we just shared a couple of facts, then the illusion about this person would be shattered. It can be an embarrassing shadow. Some of us, our parents were addicts, felons, and their failures have been uninvited and cast this darkness over our life. I remember years ago when uh, the founders of PTL, uh, that empire crumbled at the failure of the man that headed it up and you could see the little boy and the little girl on television. And I remember thinking then, will they ever outlive this? And you'll see them scurry for identity. You see it in celebrities, how their children try to come out from under the uh, addictions of their parents. Their parents are on TV all the time and their failures and their stupid choices. And they're embarrassed of the shadow, but you couldn't shake it because it's in your home. A discouraging shadow, constantly feeling like we will never measure up. A confining shadow, constant pressure to conform, constant pressure to follow, constant pressure to be the second of whatever it is. Your father was a preacher, you ought to be a preacher. Your mother was a model, you ought to be a model. Your father was a lawyer, you should be a lawyer. And shadows 
when they're superimposed, which means the person cast it and then other people cast it, it can narrow you down and pigeonhole you. And you, you can bear witness with this. How many of you know people that went all through school to get a degree in something and never even use it because it wasn't them? And they followed suit with what someone else wanted. And God never designed you to die a copy of somebody else. There's a horrific shadow. There are people in this room today who were touched by people that shouldn't have touched them in places they should have never been touched. There are people that were abandoned. Abandoned. There are people that do not know their parents. There are people that spent their life with a spouse, raised babies, built a home, only to have that spouse come in and decide that they don't love them anymore and walked out. And that shadow is so horrific that it seems like no matter what they do, they can't shake the coldness of the shadow cast by someone else. It's horrific. And it can be suffocating. Anyone else's shadow in your life, when it becomes all you are, devours your very identity and the distinctiveness that makes you, you. And this is where my story of Solomon begins. How do you follow King David? Have you ever thought of this? How, how do you follow the elect, the giant killer, the warrior, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the greatest king of any kingdom in the history of the world. The man that God labeled a man after my own heart while he was just a boy. How do you follow that? Solomon was the child that not only followed David, but he followed the child that was judged. The shadow of God's judgment in the home. He was the replacement child. One died, they wept over him, and he was the replacement. He was the one that lived. That's how people called him. That's the one that lived. And the jury's still out if God's going to judge him later on. Can you imagine growing up as a child hearing the story about how your mother and father came together and the father that is now killed the dad? Can you imagine hearing all of that and then saying, God killed the first baby, but you lived? If you were like nine or ten years old, you probably, every time the thunder clapped above, you're like thinking you're going to get nuked or something. Seriously, have you thought of this? He was the one that lived. People would talk. He said, yeah, that's Solomon. That's not the first baby. That's the one that lived. I want to speak to you just for a few moments on the subject of coming out of the shadows. And this is how you come out of the shadow of great people and evil people. Kind people and unkind people. This is how you come out. The Bible says that God loved Solomon. You have got to recognize, appreciate, 
and receive the love of God for you individually. Not based on anybody else. He loved Solomon not because he was David's, but because he was God's. Totally independent of David and Bathsheba. Solomon was not a product of their desires, but God's design. When God spoke to Nathan about Jedediah, Solomon, you can use those interdependently, and I'll get to that in just a moment. He never mentioned David and Bathsheba. In the Old Testament, when God spoke to prophets, it was many times audibly. And when prophets spoke, they were as the voice of God. So Nathan's about his business one day, and God begins to commune with him. Picture this in your mind this morning. Nathan. Yes, Lord. David and Bathsheba just had a boy. And they've named him Solomon. But I call him Jedediah because I love him. God's beloved. God loved him. No mention to Nathan. No actual speaking of David and Bathsheba, just the boy himself. And God loves you independent of what your parents were or weren't. You are not riding their coattails. And yes, we thank the Lord for a godly heritage. How many of you have a godly heritage? But that is not your story. That was a grace given to you. Your identity is not wrapped up in who your earthly parents were. Your identity is wrapped up in who your heavenly father is. God loved Solomon before there was a David. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew you personally. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Before there was ever a David... God loved Solomon. I grew up in the shadow of a godly man. Everywhere I go. Oh, it still grips it. When I meet someone that knew my dad, almost without fail, they tell me one of two things. Your daddy was the greatest preacher I've ever heard in my life. Or they tell me, no one has ever loved me like your dad. I went to interview for my ordination, and they called out my name, and this guy was probably as old as I am now, was at the table, and he goes, so John, where are you from? And I said, Macon, Wood, John Wood, I knew a Roger Wood, are you related to Roger Wood? Yes, sir, that was my father. He goes, get up, boy, come here. (laughs) Stood up, and he hugged me, just hugged and squeezed the life out of me, and then he pushed me back. He goes, you have a backslide, I'll kill you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for this event. That shadow opened doors for me in the sense of I had acceptance and it was shade for me. Several years ago, I went back to my father's, my earthly father's little church there uh, behind Sam's little Westfield Baptist Church. And I had an internal dialogue that was very uncomfortable for me. Hear me very well. I'm not half the man my dad was. But I have enjoyed more ministerial success than he has. That troubles me. I would take 
my daughter's there and my son there and I'd show them the building. And they've heard all these stories about him. And this building was not anything to speak of. It's smaller than this one little section. It is not arrogance or disrespectful. And someone needs to hear this this morning. And if this doesn't apply to you today, just come back next week. But there's others we need to hear this. It is not disrespectful to come out of the great shadow that someone left to be who you're supposed to be. That is not disrespectful to my father. It is an honor to my father that I preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God loved me before there was a Roger Wood. Oh, that does something for my soul. It's not just daddy was good. And I know God remembers the evil of fathers upon their children. I understand that. And the blessings of fathers come upon the children. But I'm bigger than that blessing and I'm bigger than that evil because God loves me. Me, independent of Roger. If there weren't a Roger and a Sandra, he would love me. And see, that gives you the courage and the character to live in memory of the great shadow and encouraged to overcome the evil shadow because God loves you independent of them. He doesn't love me more because my daddy was a preacher. He doesn't love me less because my daddy was this. Or he doesn't love me more or less. He targets us with affection because before my mother met my daddy, he planned on me. And he set his affection upon me. And he loves me. And some of you are limited because you feel like you're not going to measure up. Or you have no concept of who a father is. Because you don't even know yours. And people come out from under shadows and begin to live when they hear in the Bible, when they see in the Bible their story on top of failure, on top of adultery, on top of lying and a cover-up, and on top of scheme, and on top of tragedy, Jedediah was born, and I love him. I love him. God loved him not because he was David's, but because he was his. God loves him, number two, loved him not for what he would do, but because of who he was. God did not love him because of his parents. God did not love him because of his purpose. He did not love Solomon because of his potential. He did not love him because of his environment. And he did not love him for what he would mean to the nation of Israel or for his gifts or abilities. God loved him separate from the expectations and the opinions of other people. He came from God. He was designed by God, called by God, and loved by God. And we may not share the same purposes, but we share the same preciousness to God Almighty. And glory comes from that revelation. Don't ever look at your feet around another Christian. I'm God's favorite up in here. Beloved. Without answering, do you see yourself as beloved or just and them. I just so love the world. God so loved the world and I'm in the world so he loves me. I tell you one shadow that David had that God wanted Solomon to have. David called himself God's beloved. He'd say, Lord, come quickly. Your beloved is under attack. Your most loved, your favorite. That's arrogance. No, it wasn't. I can prove it to you. God never rebuked him. 
So said, so who are you, David? I'm your beloved, favorite of all. You think so? Mm-hmm. Is it funny to you that from a heart that knew God loved him flowed all of the Psalms? that echo our heart in frustration and mountaintops and valleys from an awareness that God loves you flows everything that's life and healthy. And God didn't love Solomon because he was going to be the king. God didn't love him because he was going to be the wisest person on the face of the earth. He loved him before he ever had cognitive ability. When he was born and they slapped him on the rear end and he come to life, God told Nathan, he said, I love him. I just love him. How is it that our friends and coworkers and family members, many of them don't even know who God is, and here we are. Anybody else, you're the only one or one of few in your family that's saved? How, how can it be? God stepped over people and chose you. My dignity does not come. My dignity does not come by having my name on a sign that says Christ Chapel, Pastor Wood. That's not my dignity. He loves me. And in the worst season of my life, where others thought the devil was after my home, which secondarily he was, that wasn't what he was after. When I hit the crux of the worst time of my life, I told my Lord, my Father, I said, I don't feel like I'm your favorite no more. Because if you take that from a Christian, they're just robotic. They're like... The goal of Christianity is don't do this stuff. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't party, don't sleep around, don't smoke weed, don't do those things. But my identity is not found in what I don't do. My identity is found in who loves me and gave himself for me and wants to be with me and enjoys me and delights in me. Before Solomon ever exercised his wisdom about cutting the baby in half and you take it and the one mama said, no, 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 don't. Before there was ever wisdom... God loved him. God loved, loved Solomon because he saw him differently than others viewed him. God saw him greater than other people viewed him. God saw him clearer than other people saw him. God saw him before other people saw him or recognized him. And God saw him more truly than others saw him. They named him Solomon, which means safe, happy, friendly, and peaceful. And they were accurate. The most peaceful time in the history of Israel was in Solomon's reign. Solomon didn't write many morose psalms like David did. He was pretty happy, pretty easy going, pretty safe, really didn't win no battles, didn't lose none either. They named him pretty good. They named him Solomon, but God named him Jedidiah, which means especially loved by God. God would often change people's names in the Bible to reflect their person or their purpose. Abram to Abraham. Jacob to Israel. Simon to Peter. Saul to Paul. But sometimes the names didn't stick or the people would go back and forth between the two. Jacob would sometimes be called Israel and other times he'd be called Jacob. Simon would be called Peter and other times he would be called Simon by the disciples and the Lord. But what's important here is not what others think about you or what they call you, but what you answer to by God. They can call you anything, but what do you answer to? When God talked to Solomon, 
He called him Jedediah. I believe when God spoke to him through the prophets, when he spoke to him on his bed at night, and in the still small voice, he used the name Jedediah. And even though he was called by the wrong name most of his life, he still knew who he was. Some of you are waiting for the people that cast the shadows to echo the voice of your heavenly father in your life, and they may never do it. There's no record of David ever calling him Jedediah. Why? David knows God's voice. David was a man of the spirit. Why? I don't know. Why do people do the stuff they do? I don't know. Do you answer more to the term servant or son? Is it more got to or get to? See, a son will always serve. But a servant may never enjoy the benefits of a son. And God wants you to know that even if your name describes you, and even if it fits you, and even if your parents are accurate in what they call you in their assessment of you, that God sees you as most beloved. God didn't give us this story just for history's sake. These stories were written aforetime, the Bible says, for our learning. That we might understand that the elect of God, Solomon was elected in the natural realm, you're elected in the spiritual realm. The elect of God enter into love relationship, which releases affection, which casteth out fear, which gives joy. Because the greatest of these is love. It's not just love my brother, it's receive the love of God. I can't give you something I don't have. And we're bouncing spiritual checks everywhere because we're trying to love people with a love we don't live in. I, I decided years ago, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth about myself and others. I am messed up. I just am free to tell you, Pastor, what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there's something about me that God likes. You think I'm playing. You think that's written in there's a joke. No. He delights in me. So if I am what I do, then when I get old and my mind starts slipping, then I don't exist anymore. When the vocalist can't sing or the keyboardist can't play or the teacher can't remember the stories. No, I'm just as much beloved then as I am today as I was before I was born. He so loves me that when he comes back from me, he wrote it in there so I'd know how he felt. And he said, and so shall you ever be with me. He ain't just coming to take me to heaven. He's coming to receive me unto himself. He said, because where I am, I want you to be also. My daughters, Haley and Kylie and my son Jimmy and Sabra and Katie. It's like, can I come by? I'm like, Are you kidding me? Can you come by? Well, I know, you know, the twins. And they're being respectful. They're asking in the respectful vein. I'm responding, res responding in the fatherly vein. It's always, always, always. Do you realize that God has an always in his heart for you? 
Always. Always. Well, I really don't want to bother you, Lord. I know when everybody prays, it lights up those little red lines and you got so many people calling. I just, I just don't want to bother you with... Always. God sees you differently than your reality. Because there's more to you than what you've done. There's more to you than what's been done to you. God loves you for you. And finally, if our musician would come, please. God loves Solomon so much that he named him as such. This knowledge, when you enter into it, creates a defining moment and a a moment of separation in your life. It's like a fork in the road you can never go back. A dividing line. A chasm. The end of one chapter and the beginning of another. We, or will we, live in the shadow of other people's lives, however great or small, good or evil? Or will we behold the glory of God for ourselves and cast our own shadow, reflecting His image wherever we go? Some of you need to step out of the shadow of the most important person in your life. Good person. Best thing ever happened to you. But you struggle thinking it's disrespectful to be what God created you to be in its fullness, independent of that. There's always connection. But God made you an original, not to die a copy. My glory is found in becoming who God called me to be in His love. In His love. No matter who went before us or how great the shadow is today, your story is brighter. What if Solomon had become a warrior? Uh, Well, he was a king. Well, yeah, he was. Totally different. David wrote worship. Solomon wrote wisdom. David won battles. Solomon kept him out of war. Different. But brighter because, not brighter than David's, brighter. It's not brighter than, it's brighter than. (laughs) If that makes sense. He was him. And God wants us to come out of this culture of everybody look the same, act the same, dress the same, sing the same, be the same, have the same opinions when you have been designed by God to live in the love of His presence for His glory. Uniquely you, distinctly you, created independently of you. I remember when I used to wouldn't even be me when I preach because I was afraid someone think I was irreverent and then one day I just in the middle of my sermon said something funny and everybody laughed and a part of me went that's good <laughs> it just felt right like sweet spot there's no jokes typed in the messages every now and then whether you think it's funny or not I'm funny and it just happens <laughs> my daddy never told jokes My daddy was the greatest preacher that I know of. But I'm not my daddy. I'm John Carl Wood. And I look like him, but I'm not him. And he had a greater command of scripture. And I've enjoyed some level of success he didn't. So it's not a comparison thing. It's 
All the shackles fall off when you decide I'm going to be me in the light of God's love for the glory of the Lamb. For the glory of the Lamb. Amen. Don't turn here, but in Acts chapter 5, it speaks of believers being added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women so that they brought sick into the streets and put them on beds and couches. That at least the shadow of Peter, when he came by, might overshadow some of them. And the multitude also of the cities round about came to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and persons beset by unclean spirits who were all healed. Simon Peter's shadow was known to heal people. Solomon's shadow ushered in the greatest peace the nation of Israel ever known. There are people here today that have lived in the shadows of other people too long. It's time to come out and find your own identity in the light of God's love and plans for you. Theologians differ. Some say Simon Peter's shadow never healed anybody. But the scripture does say that they would line the streets so that his shadow might fall upon them, period. And it said, and all were healed. So I do not know that the shadow healed it, but the context is there and it's right connected to it. So I would assume with no merit of his own, God just graced him that as he beheld the sun, not the earthly sun, but the son of God, people that that shadow touched were healed. You can't heal someone else's life with someone else's shadow. You got to be you. My shadow is going to do something for Isabel and Olivia that they could not do on their own. And my responsibility is as they mature and develop, I say, step out over here, baby. No, I don't want you. I know, I know. Step out over here because you are uniquely created different than your daddy. Rest in it all you want, but don't be identified by my successes and don't be limited by my failures because you are Jedediah, beloved of the Lord. You are. I don't want her to be known as John's daughter. I want her to be known as Isabel Rogers Wood. Oh, sure, I want them to connect me, but not known by it. I want Olivia Rogers Wood to stand as princesses of God. Worshippers. The last thing I want to tell you is this. If you were to ask me in my life, my greatest successes, it's being a father to people. That's my favorite thing I get to do. Whether it's a fatherly voice, a fatherly influence, it's my favorite thing I get to do. Our church started in 1995 with a little boy who asked me when I could take him to church. Excuse me. I looked at my little day timer and told him I could take him in a few months. So imagine a little boy. Mr. John, when can I go to church with you? And I'm scrolling. I can take you in about 90 days. And when I told him that, something in my heart just changed. And I said, I'll take you Sunday. I knew I had to start a church from one little boy. So took the little boy to church with me for three or four years. His parents moved away. He stayed with me. I became his legal guardian. And uh, about a year in, oh, it was, it was just so the Lord. He went from being a D student to an A student. And in the shadow, 
healed him. My shadow healed him. And I asked him, I said, Jimmy, do you want to take my name? You want to be my boy? And he said, so wise. 15, right at 16 when I told him this, he goes, I don't think so. He said, I think I want to change the Sanderson name from here on out. (laughs) Do you see what he did? He goes, I appreciate it, all you've done. And I'll always view you that way. (laughs) But my story's brighter than being John Wood's boy. God loves me. Do you see this? And this is not a repentance kind of thing, but some of you, your change has come today. The word, one word from God will shatter a thousand lies. It opens doors that were locked. And if you need to come out from under an evil shadow or a good shadow, I invite you to come and say just this, Father, I'm coming out today. This is it for me. This word was for me. If that's you, I want you to come line this place. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm not disrespecting them. I just, I got to be, I got to have my story. I got to have my story. I believe there are others here. I just do. There's something about this that's resonating in your spirit. The Lord called him Jedediah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Could I have a lady come stand with each lady and a guy with each guy? Come on, come quickly. And the Lord called him Jedediah because he loved him. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. They've been calling you by the wrong name all your life. For the Lord especially loves you. Significantly. Specifically. Loves you. Glory to the Lord. Church family, look to me. You know I don't just prolong... I just feel it in my heart like a a twisting. Some of you, that horrific shadow. I'm not going to ask you what it is. God wants to heal that today. (laughs) That thing that identifies you, God wants to make it a memory instead of a monument. And I can't can't help you. I, I could pray till I passed out, but if God opens a door for you to come out, The Lazarus come forth. You can come out from under this shadow. What happened to you? There's more to you than what happened to you. And if that's you, I want you just to come and stand at this front and receive it today. I just believe there are people here. No one's going to embarrass you or ask you what it is. The horrific shadow that's defined you. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. That's a very personal thing. 
I just believe the Lord is going to heal your soul today. Glory to the Lord. Hey, when you see them come, come stand with them. Don't ask them what they're praying about. Just, I'm with you. You're not by yourself. This horrific shadow will not identify you anymore. Glory to God. Come out from that shadow. It's not you. In Jesus' name. Could I have someone with this gentleman here, please? Glory to God. Saints, God is doing deep surgery in this altar. He has spoken over you, Jedediah. He's spoken over you. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Your story is brighter than that. Your story is bigger than that. Cast your own shadow beginning today. Beginning today. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Saints, would you just stand with me and begin to pray and ask the Lord just to seal this in the hearts of those that have come today? Glory to the Lord. I'm going to ask my wife if she would just come up and pray over us. Before she does, I want to give you this little disclaimer. A lot of my sermon material comes from Kelly will tell me what she was reading or praying about. And then I'll, I'll get up and preach. I'll say, you know, I was thinking the other day. <laughs> this verse is one that she shared with me several years ago. And she said, I just love that, that God named him as such. So, Kelly, just the spirit of what you share with me, will you just pray over everybody today? Lord, I love that you would name us, Lord God. I love the name Jedediah, Lord God. I love the circumstances that you you named Solomon that, Lord God. And I pray that each one of us here today, and particularly these people 
who have come to receive from you here at the altar, Lord God, that they would just have such a sense that the Lord picked them out, especially, Lord God, that you have, Lord, it just feels like a pet name for them, like a nickname when you really love somebody and they're endeared to you, Lord God, that you call them a special name, Lord God. I pray that each of these people here today would just have such a knowledge, Lord God, that the Lord has a special name picked out for them that means that he loves them particularly, especially, Lord God. And no matter what the circumstances of their life, Lord God, that they would just know that they are absolutely adored, that you pushed everything aside in the entire world, Lord God, just to speak to them and love them, Lord God. We just bless you and we just thank you for it. We thank you for your mercy and your love for us that knows us so intimately, Lord God. I pray that you would whisper these things to our hearts, Lord, all throughout today, Lord God, that we are your beloved, that we are your Jedediah. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Church family. Don't forget tonight, 5 o'clock, we have prayer from 5 to 6 here in the sanctuary. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.